is which is false, and the second is to know what is true. It's to be able to recognize what is false and, to, and then to be also be able to recognize what is true. When you and I, when we are dealing with fear, wisdom cannot exist because fear, wisdom doesn't make sense in the atmosphere of fear. In an atmosphere of faith, wisdom makes all the difference. But in an atmosphere of fear, wisdom can't make sense of what's going on. Wisdom is being able to perceive beyond the veil of flesh and intellect with clarity the correct course of action. Let me say that again. Wisdom, by definition, is being able to perceive beyond the veil of flesh and intellect with clarity the correct course of action. So let me read a verse to you. This is out of James chapter 1 and verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, double, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Wisdom does not mean, and I think this is something we have to make clear, wisdom does not mean the removal of adversity. Because if you look at the verses prior to verse 5, he talks about if you fall into diverse temptations, if you get your, find yourself in a difficult spot or a hard place. Anybody been in a hard place recently? Well, sure, you get in a hard place, whether it's physically or financially or it's spiritually or in your soul. You get in a hard place. It could be relationally. And when you find yourself in that place, what is it that we need most of all? We need wisdom. Wisdom, by definition, is clarity. It's being able to see clearly what's going on, to be able to have a, a clear perception. So when you study wisdom in the Hebrew language and in the New Testament, in the Greek language, you find that the word wisdom is a reference to an idea of knowing which direction to go, okay? Knowing which direction to go. So when we, when we need wisdom, we have knowledge. That's not an issue. We just don't know how to use the knowledge that we have or what's the best course of action. If I was going to drive to Saginaw from here and I start down M46 and then all of a sudden I get to Hemlock and the road's closed, now I'm going to have to make a decision. I'm going to have to figure out how to get through an adversity that's come up. And you know, life throws a lot of roadblocks to us. I mean, it does. It, God didn't tell us there wouldn't be roadblocks, but he'll give us wisdom about how to bypass those roadblocks and get on the path that he wants us to be on. So when I get to, when I pull up there to Hemlock, you know, I drive into town and they've got the road, the light, where the light's at in town by the McDonald's is, is closed. If I have wisdom, then I know I have, I know which direction to go. For example, I could go south, cut down, go back over, cut down to Swan Creek and cut, cut, cut over, right? I could go north. See, I have knowledge. I have a, it isn't that I don't have choices. It's just that I need to make the right choice. And that's what wisdom is, is making the, the right choice. So what God is saying to us, look, if you don't know what's the right thing to do, I'll tell you what's the right. I'll tell you what's the right thing to do. So, He's saying, look, I want you to have clarity. 
You're going to face adversity in life, but I want to give you clarity. So what happens to you and I is, the, if we're not careful, the first thing we run to is natural, trying to get natural clarity. We're running to news programs. We're running to newspapers, magazines, books, other people. The place where we really need to go first is to go before the Lord and say, God, I need wisdom. He said, look, come to me and I'll give it to you. I'll give you direction. Now, he may use people. He may use some kind of a program to speak to you. But the first place that we go is that we go to him and say, God, I don't know what to do. You know, wisdom is that ability that, you know, that we that if we have it in our lives to be able to surrender to God's direction to say, Lord, I'm not going to be in charge. You be in charge. You tell me what you want me to do. That's exactly what I will do. Circumstances to guide us can cause all kinds of difficulties for us. And so we need to be careful. We need clarity in adversity. How does wisdom come? Well, there's several different ways that wisdom can come. You know, when the Apostle Paul was sitting on the ship uh, in the middle of a storm and everybody's, nobody's eating because everybody's sick and they're all getting ready to die. It's the middle of the night. It's dark. You know, out on the water in the middle of the night and you, the sky is dark and all you've got is waves crashing around you. And there he is sitting in this boat and everybody's suffering. Everybody's going through difficulty. And in a moment, an angel showed up and gave him clarity and said, this is what's going on. This is what I'm going to do. This is what you need to do. So what did he do? He said, don't if you read this in the book of Acts, it says he said, you know, everybody needs to stick together. Amen. Everybody needs to stick together and get ready to, you know, you're going to come up in a place where you'll be near shore. You're all going to get, everybody's going to be saved if you follow my direction. All right. So it can come by an angel. Now we're not that, some of us have had that experience, but but for most of God's people, they haven't had an experience or they didn't know it was an angel that was talking to them that an angel can show up. But another way that it can happen is through spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are available to all of God's people. Those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are talked about in the book of At in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And those gifts would be the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the gift of uh, miracles, the gift of healings, the gift of prophecy, and the gift of tongues and interpretation. Now, all of that is available. All of those are available to all of God's people. When you have the Holy Spirit in your life, okay, you have all those gifts in you. They're all there. The, the, the issue we'll deal with is releasing those gifts, but they're all there. So what we have, that all comes from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can speak to us in a word of wisdom. Now, he can use other people. And I, I'm not opposed to God giving us clarity through other people if the first place we went was to God to ask for clarity. But if we get an attitude that, God, uh, I want you to speak to somebody to speak to me, be careful because you're setting yourself up for problems. You're setting yourself up for problems. Let me, let me tell you, um, I don't want to spend too much time on this this morning because I've got a lot to get into. But in the book of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and I 
quote this verse every single year to you guys many times, that it says that if we believe in the Lord our God, right, and we listen to the prophets, that we'll, be, we'll, we'll prosper. Believe in the Lord our God and listen to the prophets. We have to be careful that we're not just listening to the prophets and think that will make us believe in the Lord our God. We believe in God, period. And we listen to what the prophets have to say. But prophets are human. <laughs> and so they're subject to error. You know, everything, everything, that, uh, everything that God has tried to do through his church has gotten screwed up. But he always corrects it. He always does. He always brings course correction. Amen. But it always does. I, I was thinking back, you know, um, there's a course correction that's happening in the prophetic movement right now in our world. And so you had people prophesying that this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place. And so if, we, if that's what we turn to and we say, well, they said it, well, it's not about they said it. What did you go to God about first with this, okay? See, because if it's a human delivering a message, it's subject to error. That's why the Bible tells you that, the, the, that you should search the Scriptures to see if what you're being told is the truth. The problem is we're too lazy. I get your attention? We're too lazy. We're just like, well, they said it so that, look, did you search? Did you go back and search the scriptures? Because that's your responsibility. But what we do is we go, well, they, I trust them. Look, you believe and totally trust in God and you listen and then you reflect it back to God. You know, there was a great apostolic movement in America. We messed it up. There was a great, in the 50s, there was a great evangelistic ministry. Just, just, I mean, just flat out was sweeping the nation. Yeah, we screwed that up. Prophetic teaching ministry, pastor ministry. We ended up going from pastoring to shepherding, which was total control that pastors took over people's lives. Some of you will remember this. All of it, because when there is men involved, there is the aspect of human error, pride, arrogance, superiority, all those kinds of things can get in. So what we have to recognize is, is that, look, God is going to speak, but the first thing I need to do is go to God and ask him to speak to me, not to listen to whoever's out there and try to figure out what, what God's saying because of what they're saying. I try to figure out what God's saying because I go to God. You're allowed to have, let me, let me stop. You are allowed to have a deep and intimate and personal relationship with the Father in heaven. You're allowed to. And you're allowed to hear his voice. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. So you are absolutely allowed to be in an intimate, deep, personal relationship with the Heavenly Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, hear His voice, know His direction, and know, his, and know clarity. Now, do we listen to what the prophets? My pastor is a prophet. I listen to what he says. But if he's saying things that don't line up with Scripture, then I'm not going to follow after. It doesn't mean he's a bad person. It just means he's wrong. Yeah. 
And what's happening and why, you know, one of the things that's taken place, we've been talking a little bit about this over the last several weeks, is, is that nobody was judging the prophecies, and that's what we're supposed to do. The Bible says we're supposed to not to judge the prophets, to judge the prophecies. So that'll come back, I promise you. So what I get into all of that. You have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God will give you divine revelation. I'm just here, the, the ministry gift is here to help you get closer to God so you can hear from God. Not so that you can get closer to us so you can hear from God. Well, pastor, you know you're my pastor, and my pastor, you're educated, and you know the Bible, and you read the Bible. Hey, guess what? You can be educated and read your Bible, and you can know God just like I know God. Man, pastor, that is really good preaching. That's awesome. Hallelujah. Thanks for sharing that. No, man, you should search the scriptures. I mean, we, we should, that's why we should take notes. That's why we should dig into stuff. That's why we should look at it. Even if it's somebody that you absolutely know is got your best interest at heart, you still should be looking at what was said. Some stuff I've had said over me over the years prophetically, I just put it on a shelf. Doesn't mean it was wrong, it just wasn't for that time. Some things were wrong. People just were exercising their gift and got out. And then a lot of times it was right on, right on. So, look, spiritual gifts are so vital to the Christian believer's life, okay? They are vital, to have the work of, that's what, God, Jesus didn't just come so you could be in heaven forever. Jesus came to so that you could have the Holy Spirit who would give you these gifts so that you could be a world changer. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a world changer. That was kind of grumbly. Let's try again. I'm a world changer. Yeah, you know, these disciples, when they went out from Jesus and they, after the book of Acts chapter 2, man, these, got, these men and women Turned, the Bible says they turned the world upside down. A born-again, blood-bought, empowered by the Holy Spirit believer is a very dangerous thing to the satanic kingdom that's in this world. Because they hear and have insight and they see things and know things that the natural man doesn't have any ability to be able to know. Good preaching. So how does wisdom come? Sometimes it just comes by uh, like a revelation, an understanding that of clarity that God gives us. There are lots of things that I've put before the Lord that I did not understand and said, God, what should I do? I, didn't, I don't want to say like all of a sudden I heard a voice from heaven or you know, somebody came up and said, you just asked the Lord and the Lord told me to tell you this. Sometimes it might be days that go by, but then clarity will come. Clarity will come. And so whenever we're going to operate in wisdom, when we're facing whatever challenges that we're facing with, we just have to remember that God says we can come to him and he gives to us. He is not withholding from us. Wisdom takes faith and patience. And here's why. Because of what you already know. It takes faith and patience because, see, your experiences in life can, can deride us from 
trusting in Him and believing that He's going to give us the clarity that we need. Sometimes when we're under pressure, especially we feel that because we're asking God for direction and we've got a million voices screaming in our head about, well, you, you know, do this or you did this before or, you know, or somebody did that and that won't work or whatever. Look, we need that one voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit that's speaking to us. It takes faith and patience because of what you and I already know or think that we know from our experiences. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. This is Charles Spurgeon said this. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a fool, a fool as knowing as a knowing fool. You ever talk to somebody and the whole time they're saying, yeah, I know that, I know that, yeah, I know that, I know that, yeah, I know that. No, you don't. You don't know it because you're not doing it. Because if you did know it, then you'd be doing it. But you're not doing it. It's like you talk to your kids. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I shouldn't do that. I know, no, yeah, right. You don't know nothing. What I'm telling you, you need to know. This will save your life. Amen. I remember one time one of my kids came to me and, and they said, uh, I'm going to quit my job. I said, well, you're not quitting it until you get another one. Well, but I want to quit. I don't like this job. I don't care whether you like it or not. You get another one lined up, quit. But I'm not having you mooch off me the rest of your life, so you need to go <laughs> figure out what you're going to do. Amen. Can you say Amen. amen. I mean, that's just, that's wisdom, right? That's just wisdom. But there's, I've had them say, oh, I know, Dad. I know. I know what you say. I know. Like I've, I'll say to them before they would go out the door, I say, remember who you are. I know. I know. I know. And then I find out they did some boneheaded, stupid thing. Well, you did not know it or you wouldn't have done that. I know. I know, Dad. I know. Yeah. Don't you feel sorry for my kids, man? They got to go through it. I mean, the kids and the grandkids. Oh, my Lord. So here's the thing. God does not upbraid us when we ask him. To upbraid means to rail on, reproach us, to revile us, or to rebuke us. The Weiss translation of this verse says, And if, as is the case, any one of you, when undergoing trials, is deficient in wisdom, let him keep on presenting his request in the presence of the giving God who gives to all with simplicity and without reserve, a pure, simple giving of good without admixture of evil or bitterness. And who does not, with the giving of the gift, reproach the recipient with any manifestation of displeasure or regret, and it shall be given him. You know, it's kind of like this idea, and I go back to the parenting idea. I never got upset at my kids coming to me to ask me a question. Unless they were wanting to do something wrong and they were trying to get me to go along with that. But if they didn't know what to do, even if they had already started to do what they were doing and made a mistake, if they came and asked for direction or clarity in that situation, I never said, you know, you should know better. No, it's when they went out and tried to do it on their own that that's when I got upset about and said, you should know better. See, God does not upbraid us or rebuke us or push us away and go, you know what, why are you back here again? Because he knows that we need him. He knows that we have this void and emptiness in our life, that we need the Father God in heaven to speak to us. But it says that, look, 
But let him be presenting his request in a trusting attitude, not an expression of that hesitation which vacillates between faith and unbelief and inclines towards mostly unbelief. For the person who vacillates between faith and unbelief is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that individual be supposing that he shall receive anything from the presence of the Lord, being a dubious, undecided man, vacillating in all his ways. So two thoughts with this about coming to God. One is, is that the key is that one is I can go to him. Two, I need to keep going to him. And he will answer. But I need to stay in faith that the answer's coming. Say that out loud, the answer's coming. Now, I feel like in my spirit that there are people here that are searching for answers right now in some areas about dealing with relationships. I, I, I have all kinds of things I put before the Lord. How do I deal with this relationship? How do I deal with this financial situation? How do I deal with all kinds of things? The Lord will give you clarity, but you have to stay in faith. And faith means that you're persisting through and you're continuing on that vein of saying, God, I'm seeking you and I'm seeking your guidance and your wisdom. Amen. And that's what the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we ask in faith. We come before the Lord and we say, Lord, I need your help. I need your direction. I need you to give me clarity about what to do in this situation. And then we stay persistent because the answer will come. It will come. The answer will come. If you seek the Lord. Hallelujah. So when I asked my pastor this question about what is it that keeps you through all the because he always seeks for God's perspective in whatever's going on in his life. Whatever's going on in his life. I remember when his wife, Vicky, was diagnosed with cancer. And Vicky was really, she was, I mean, you know. If you've ever had to deal with that in your family or in your own personal life, it can really shake you up. Because you just, because why? Because you have experiences of people you knew that had cancer that died. You see, you've seen images of people on chemotherapy losing their hair and all the things that, you know, going down to nothing. And so it can always, it, it can create a shaking thing. And, and they were, they were struggling through and then, Finally, one day when they were coming home from the doctor and they were starting to set up her, what they were going to do for her to help her, um, Pastor Barkley said to his wife, Vicki, are you afraid? And she said, yes. And he said, what are you afraid of? And, you know, she stopped in that moment and she said, well, I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'm afraid I'm going to die because that's really what it came down to. And he said, Vicki, why are you afraid you're going to die? And she said, well, I shouldn't be, should I? Because I know where I'm going when I do. See, now, he wasn't saying get ready to die. He wasn't saying you're going to die. But see, the devil, the enemy, your adversary, will use whatever fear you have in your life to keep you in bondage. So when he got her to respond back, I have nothing to be afraid of because I know if it all ends today, I'll be with my Savior forever. When that was gone, she was on the pathway to healing for her body. And today she's fully recovered from the cancer. And I mean, it was really bad. 
Her daughter who had ovarian, daughter-in-law who had ovarian cancer had to deal with the same thing. And today she is totally healed of all cancer. Now I'm not, I'm not standing up here to say I believe that God will heal everyone that if we come to him, he will heal us. I believe he's a healer. But I'm telling you with her, these people's situation, as long as fear continued, they needed clarity. They needed to quit seeing everything they knew, everything they were feeling, all the emotions that were involved with it. And they needed supernatural clarity to know about how to deal with this. And they pursued forward. They pursued forward and they did the treatments and did it in faith and persevered and had absolute clarity about it. Isn't that awesome? I, I think that's so important for us. See, it's just like all during the pandemic, okay? Look, well, you, what the media is, oh, so many deaths. Oh, so many people that are sick. So many people have, but the big thing that they focus on is you're gonna, you could die. Or the other thing, which, you know, our governor's done it, amazing job of trying to convince everybody that you're going to kill people. You're a murderer, right? And she needs to shut up. So now look, we're not doing a political rally. I'm just telling you, that's just, that's just nonsense. Okay. That's just nonsense. Cause don't tell me you're saving lives when you go to Walmart, but you're not saving lives when you go to church. I mean, that's ridiculous. So Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for saying that. We all have been saying it anyway, so I don't know why you're looking at me funny. Right? But, but here's the thing. Look, so what has that done to, to God's people? There are people I know today that are still petrified to be in public gatherings because they are so afraid that they might kill someone in their family. And look, maybe it could happen. I don't know, but I'm just saying this. If that fear exists, the adversary will use that fear as a wedge in a believer's life and will rob them of all faith that they have in trusting God. Hallelujah. So we have to recognize it. Look, we have to ask in faith, and we have got to be as persistent as we can. We shall overcome. Amen. We are overcome the pandemic. We're going to overcome whatever's going on politically. We're going to overcome whatever's going on economically. We've done it before. We'll do it again. The only time you won't overcome is when it's finally the end. And then in the end, it's never going to get better. It's over. It's over. So let me just throw a couple. I wanted to, I wanted to throw a couple of quotes at you just real quick. These are things that I've learned to live by that are sort of like wisdom things. And so... Uh, I think these will help you if you, if you, um, if you apply these things. Um, number one, don't be quick to jump on the bandwagon. Especially in the Christian community, we're really quick to jump on stuff. Be, be slow. The Bible says, look, be slow about those kinds of things. Be slow to anger. Be slow to wrath. Be slow to, you know, don't move too quickly. Because, it, look... People will want you to jump on the bandwagon. You know, when all this stuff starts coming out prophetically, I, I absolutely believe in prophecy, but I don't just go, well, we're all jumping on that right there. That's, the, what, that's, that's it. No, no, no. Go slow. Go slow. Brother Osteen said years ago, and I loved it, he said, look, 
When I, go, when I go swimming, I don't just, unless I know the waters real well, I don't just dive in off the shore. I wade out. I get used to it. Then I dive in. When I know I've cleared the rocks. When you go diving in waters you're unfamiliar with, you're going to crack your head. That's good preaching, Pastor. So these are quotes to live by. Here's one of my favorite ones I use all the time. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. It's not a chicken. That'll help you with politicians. And false prophets and false teachers and false pastors and false apostles. I don't have much time, but I, I, I just say, you know, this one, this, this one, it, it's like the, the, I had folks years ago, there was a guy on the East Coast, he, I don't even know if he's in the ministry, all right, so he has a great TV ministry, I mean, he is super, I mean, people just talk about how anointed he is, he's a good looking young man, I mean, powerful young man, I don't even remember his name now, but, but, I mean, and God was using him, people were getting saved in his meetings, and filled with the Spirit, we're getting healed, and man, everybody was making a big to-do about this guy. And then it came out that he had been fooling around with his secretary, divorced his wife, and married her. Now look, folks, if it, I, even though there are manifestations, that's more about what the people are expecting and believing for than it is about the one that's delivering it. Men and women are God are just vessels. And see, this is where charismatics get all screwed up because we think, well, they got signs and wonders, so they got to be legit. That don't mean they're legit. You're going to say that about the Antichrist and the false prophet? Because they have signs and wonders in heaven, Right? Oh, pastor, that's, I don't know, man. You know, I just know this, my favorite. If I heard, you know, they did this or they stole money or what. Look, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Deep. It's really deep, isn't it? Be prepared. Be prepared. I believe in that. Just, you know, I was a Boy Scout. Be prepared. Boy. My wife will say, why do you do all this? Because I believe in being prepared. Why would you buy that, that tool? I, because I believe in being prepared. I may not need it today, but I'm going to need it. Amen. All you guys ought to be amen in me right now. I need that. Oh, hey, I need that giant saw that I, you know, I, that thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need it. I might not need it today. Right. I need that gun. I need that. Whatever. But no, I believe in being, I believe you have to be prepared. And be prepared means spiritually be prepared. Don't live in a deficit or don't live in just barely getting along. Push ahead. Be more than prepared. Hallelujah. Amen. And then I think the last one that I wanted to finish with today is that there's no better time than right now to surrender your life to God. Just, you say, well, I already did that. Uh-huh. Really? See, because... Surrendering to God isn't about a one-time decision you made 35 years ago or 40 years ago. I had, we had this guy, we were doing this Bible study. Uh, some of you that are in the Bible study heard him say it. He, this is what he said. 
I've been a Christian for 50 years, 50 years, or 40 years, excuse me. Was it 40 or 50? You guys heard it. 40, thank you. He said, 40 years I've been a Christian going to church, and I have never heard anything like this ever in my spiritual walk with God about the believer's authority. Now, you can't receive after 40 years of being in the church unless you have lived a surrendered life. You can't. Because what you'll do is go, well, I already, I already know about that, or I'm not interested in anything, you know. See, surrender is an attitude that we have in our lives that, God, I'm surrendered to you. Whatever you want, that's what I want. Whatever you're teaching, that's what I want to learn. Listen, old dogs can learn new tricks. Amen. You just got to have the right treats. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Father, Chuck, come on up. Father, thank you. Lord, I know that there are some here, Lord God, that are seeking wisdom and direction and clarity, Lord God. Stuff that's going on, they're, just not even, they're struggling. Why isn't this working out? Why aren't things doing what I thought they were going to do? Why are, why is, what, what do I do next, Lord God? What's the next step? What is the next thing? I? What are you saying, Lord? Give me clarity in the midst of all the turmoil that we face in life. And Father God, I pray for your people for supernatural clarity. I thank you, Lord God, that you don't push us away. You don't tell us no. You don't tell us that uh, you're tired of us asking. You say, come. You said in your word, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So Lord, I absolutely believe that today, and I believe that for your people, Lord God. Father God, give us the clarity that we need because wisdom is the principal thing. And Lord, when we get your wisdom, then we have the absolute understanding of where we are and what you're doing, and we have perspective. In Jesus' name, amen.